So it's not this fall, it's not this November, but we are going to have a gubernatorial race. And the way races work now, you got to jump in. Is it a year or two years before? We had Governor Walls on the first day of the fair, and it was very clear from his uh, answer that he's in. He hasn't had the formal announcement yet, but he's in. If you heard that uh, interview, you know that. Paul Gazelka told us three weeks ago he was leaning strongly to running for governor. Hopefully you heard that conversation. He made it official today. Let's start with Paul Gazelka and whether he will be the next governor of the state of Minnesota. It's John Rash and Pat Lopez from the Star Tribune. Okay, John, glad to have you and Pat on. I'll start with you, John. Uh, is Paul Gazelka right now the favorite, the heavy favorite, or just one of the Republicans in the race right now to oppose Tim Walls? Certainly not the heavy favorite, but among the favorites, if not the favorite by name recognition alone. And his style in terms of how he comes across to most Minnesotans when he's in media appearances or in negotiations with the governor and other legislators is the type of style that worked for Governor Pawlenty when he ran, just as one example. Now, when we get into the specifics of a campaign, you know, the fact that he has opposed many of the mask mandates and many of the health interventions that so many have suggested regarding the pandemic will certainly be an issue. He said in his announcement, quote, Tim Walls says he wants one Minnesota, but I've never seen Minnesotans more divided, angry and afraid than they are today. Is that the road we want to go down? The answer to the second question is no, no one wants to go down that road. And he may be accurate about a society riven with divisions here in Minnesota, but certainly that takes two sides and the deep disagreements, even on fundamental issues in the legislature, certainly are part of his legacy as well. So when the campaign begins, I think it'll be very strenuously contested by Governor Walls, assuming he's the nominee again of the DFL. And it would really be a race to watch, though, if it, if it were these two going against each other in the general election. All right, Pat, same to you on what type of favorite or if Gazelkin is a favorite. And then let's remind folks, prominent statewide race. I'm not talking state senators or state reps. I'm not talking congressional seats, but attorney general, governor and senator. Republicans have not won one of those races since 2006, Tim Pawlenty. If Paul Gazelka is the nominee, what is his path to end that, what would be a 16-year drought for the Republicans in that area? Well, those are, I'm hearing two different questions there. One is, is he the, um, what kind of favorite is he? And first you have to consider, um, that he needs to win delegates among the Republican base, which is an entirely different thing from running um, statewide um, in a general. So he has to demonstrate that he's got enough appeal to appeal to um, the broad base of Republican delegates, which tend to be, you know, significantly further to the right than he's been on occasion. Um, So I think he's got his work cut out for him. He's up against Michelle Benson, who's a state senator, with um, less name recognition, admittedly, um, Scott Jensen, who, uh, you know, is a, uh, you know, he's sort of the leading anti-vax figure. Uh, and that's how he's made his claim to fame. Um, and and we don't know um, who else, frankly. 
so I think it's it's a little early to pick favorites. Um, if Gazelka winds up being the statewide endorsed nominee, uh, then I think his path has got to um, come through the Twin Cities and the metro area. There's no Republican governor that is going to win without doing well in the in the metro area. You can't run as an outstate senator um, and and hope to win on the strength of an outstate vote alone. So let's stay with that with you, John. Um, you look at these races forever, and it's only been heightened lately, that the DFL seemingly dominates so much the metro area that even though whether it's uh, at a presidential level, Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, and other you know Senate races, that even though the Republicans have so much success in greater Minnesota, because they're defeated by such a margin in the metro area, they can't overcome it. Pat's making a very valid point. You can't just get crushed in that area. If Gazelka, let's say he's the nominee, let's just play that and give him his day, he may not be. What would he need to do? What would he need to show to independents, not not uh, longtime Democrats, but to independents to convince them to say, you know what, Tim Walls was fine, I thought, four years ago, but at this point I'm going to look for an alternative, and that alternative is the former Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. That he's not going to solely lead on social issues, and one would anticipate that the Roe v. Wade question will be more relevant than ever, given what's happened in Texas and what may happen in the Supreme Court, and that he has an understanding of and a solution to the increase in crime that so many communities have directly experienced and so many others are quite concerned about. And that is something that cuts through much, if not most, of the metro area and is something that can cross political lines in terms of the number one concern of some people, depending on where they live, and expect that not just Senator Gazelka, but the entire Republican Party is going to focus on the city of Minneapolis, even if they're not running there, and what's happening with the Charter Amendment, which is another big topic this week, but also just the perceived decrease in personal safety and personal security which is always an important issue in every election, but I think particularly in this upcoming one. Let's stop right there because I want to start with Pan uh, with Pat. Pat on the Patri- the geez, what am I doing here? On the uh, Minneapolis Charter and everything that happened mm-hmm. yesterday, Hennepin County, uh, the judge, the city council stepping in, uh, the mayor coming in and saying he wouldn't step in the way. One no vote from Lisa Goodman. This is still an enormous issue involving the number of police, whether, as the wording says, police, if necessary, as a possible major change in the city of Minneapolis. Patricia Lopez and John Rash from the Star Tribune editorial board are back in moments. How to phrase a ballot question in and out of the courts. It's a major issue in the biggest city in the state, Minneapolis. Yes, for Minneapolis is a political committee. They want major changes. They believe the present system doesn't work. Others, including the present mayor, Jacob Fry, who's running for reelection, say, no, we shouldn't make this uh, dramatic of a change. We can make reforms within the system. Yesterday, 
You had Hennepin County Judge Jamie Anderson at 8 a.m. offer up this of the ballot language. Vague, ambiguous, incapable implementation, and is insufficient to identify the amendment clearly. It is unreasonable and misleading. Pat Lopez and John Rash are with us from the Star Tribune. As you know, Pat, the city council came in. They were scheduled to take the uh, time off at the Rosh Hashanah holiday. They came in for mm-hmm. about a 15-minute. They worded the language differently. They voted on it. One council member, Lisa Goodman, cast the lone vote. What is your feeling about how yesterday specifically played out? Well, I think they were determined to um, uh, to get the ballot on, you know, on the uh, to get the question on the ballot, to get it literally printed so that it could go forward um, for this November's election. And they were up against a very hard deadline. I don't know that they made it a ton clearer because, uh, you know, the reality is there it, there is no real plan for them to be clear about. The plan is supposed to come later at some point. Uh, whenever the city council gets together and does all their meetings and whatever it is they're going to do. But um, the exact uh, details of how it's going to unfold is not clear. I'm also unclear myself as to just how transformative this is going to be. The yes for supporters have said in recent days that, yes, there will still be a Minneapolis police department. There will be police hired. There will still be a police chief. And, of course, the union contract will still be in force. So I really wonder how much is going to change beyond changing the name of the department from, you know, police to public safety. Um, having it certainly report to 14 people instead of one, that's a big change. Um, beyond that, I, I don't know that they're really getting to the root of the police reforms that certainly we would like to see in terms of accountability um, transparency, discipline, recruitment, um, uh, you know, all, all sorts of things that um, are, you know, to be determined at a later date. John, I've heard the same thing. In fact, I had the attorney general on last week when he made news right here on this show and said he, he's coming out in, in favor of the amendment. And when I pointed out, and it still says this, I'm going to read the new uh, ballot language, which could include Licensed peace officers, parenthetically police officers, if necessary. So it still mm-hmm. says if necessary, John. That. Yeah, in there, right in the language. But then Ellis and others will say, yeah, but we're still going to have the police. No doubt about it. John, if if there's no doubt you're still going to have the police, then why is this still in the language? Well, there is doubt about it. And that's the way that opponents of this, which are widespread throughout and beyond the city are going to cast it, and it will be coming to see what the proponents of this amendment say. Because if you remember, of course, you know they not only made local but national news and had national impact by standing on stage that said defund the police, and that will be the message that we will take from the proponents of this, and that doesn't seem to be an overwhelmingly popular opinion particularly in many of the communities hardest hit by crime, where the support based on the commentaries and the letters and and the discussion in our paper seems to be, yes, we need reform, but we need more law enforcement given what's happening in this city. And, of course, I mentioned in the previous segment is talking about Senator Gazelka running for governor. 
I think that this amendment, which will the voting will take place before the 2022 election, especially if it should pass, which it may, especially with the vague language, may become a key statewide issue, even though it officially only impacts the city of Minneapolis. Pat, final word for you on this. We've got a 60-second heartbreak. What's your feeling? Are we headed for a defeat on this or a pass, or is it too tough to tell? Oh, I, you know, I don't get into the prediction business. Um, I think people need to weigh this very carefully um, and figure out there's been an awful lot of effort expended for a brand of reform um, that I'm not sure how much reform it actually delivers. And, and that's what people need to keep uppermost as they weigh their options here. Thanks to both of you. Enjoyed the conversation. We'll talk again. Thank you. Pat Lopez and John Rash from the Star Tribune editorial board. The Linus Construction Construction Time Check is 157. Time to call for your free, no obligation rough estimate. The name Tony Lazaro has become known of late because the serious charges he is facing in court. Yesterday, Jeff Anderson brought a suit to him on behalf of a 16-year-old child. Jeff Anderson, very well known for his suits against the Catholic Church in this state and across the country, joins this show at 205.